This is a quick disclaimer. Although The Wise Investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate one post at a time. This is What They Did Not Teach You in School. This episode of the podcast was recorded on September 19th, 2018. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. We got Sal Long over we here. back. And yours truly. Today, we're actually, is a special day because it's the start of season two of The Wise Investor. We started probably June of 2017 doing this. In July, yeah. Pretty much Sal and I, we've been in the finance game for over five years now. Six, six, six years seven, seven years. years yeah. And... We were always surprised by how little the everyday person knew about personal finance, investing, that sort of thing. So we decided to start a video series. It was very humble beginnings, you know, on my phone, just shooting. Megan was shooting the videos for me in the office. Poor lighting, poor audio, you know. Started getting better with the introduction of Alfio and even better once Mark Simone came aboard. He's behind the scenes right now wearing the Elon Musk boring company hat. Shout out to Elon Musk. And now this is season two. We're taking it to another level where we're not only doing YouTube videos, but we're also putting it into podcast form. We had a lot of people last season asking us, you know, DMing us and being like, oh, I wish, you know, it wasn't available just for 24 hours and I wish I didn't have to stream it on YouTube. You know, once uh, 10, 10 or so people ask, then we might as well put it on podcast form now. So here we are. We got the video and the audio that's going to be on YouTube, but we also are going to be putting the audio on Spotify and Apple Music, maybe some other platforms. We'll Stay see what tuned. allows and us And when to. can they expect that? That'll probably be for, when do you think, Alfio? You get, get it on there in the next couple of weeks. Next couple of weeks, next couple of weeks. Hopefully for October. I, I, I so maybe month. in a month. <laughs> By December, you'll have it. <laughs> 2019. Yeah. <laughs> so the main differences that we're going to be doing now Usually we like to keep our live videos and our YouTube videos to under 20 minutes, preferably mm-hmm. 12 minutes. But now with long-form content like a podcast, we're going to take a little bit more time in discussing the concepts that we have. And it might go 30 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour. We'll see how it goes. Our but goal really was we're... to convert from a presentation lecture style in presenting the wise investor topics and content that we always like to share into more of a discussion and hopefully it'll uh, stick with the audience a little bit more maybe create even a dialogue amongst our audience with us in the future so. exactly we have a lot of great guests planned coming on uh, this season uh, we're going to be going from now until april of 2019 every single wednesday sal and i you'll be able to see us and we're going to be releasing a lot more content this year so uh, next week, we're going to have Angela. Angela, Angela yeah. what's her last name? Wallace. Angela Wallace, that's right. She's a uh, naturopathic. Yes, she's a um, health professional. She's a dietitian. She does uh, personal training. She runs a cooking 
class and she's very active on Instagram. She's Eat Right RD. We'll be presenting her next week and we're really excited to have her. She's yeah. going to share a lot of knowledge about health and how it impacts performance and eating healthy on a budget, which yeah, we always yeah. like to bring it back to money on this show. Of course, because <laughs> Sal and I talk all the time that Sal loves his Starbucks lattes and spending so much money on good food. And organic food. And I love eating out pricey. as well, just because I don't have enough time apparently, right? But uh, we're going to get some good tips on how to eat on a budget and not break the bank when it comes to eating healthy next week. So going to have the podcast, YouTube, Instagram videos, our blog on LinkedIn is going to be going off. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about Bitcoin and, you know, we've been talking about investments, speculative in investments in general, cannabis stocks and that kind of thing. We get a lot of questions <laughs> about that pretty much started two years ago. I'd get one comment on Bitcoin per month and then then it started being every other week then once a week, then three times a week. And now I probably have three to five people messaging me about Bitcoin or cannabis stocks on a weekly basis. So we better talk about that today. Absolutely. And then uh, secondly, we're going to be talking about an interesting article. Uh, Sal, you want to explain yeah. a little bit? So I actually encountered on Business Insider an article where they discussed the return of real estate versus stocks. And this is particularly in the U.S., area so we'll go over it they have a sort of conclusion that they came to of which is going to perform better is it stocks or is it real estate we're not going to get into it you got to stick with us but what we do know is i actually had a different perspective of my own so yeah we'll great. talk about that okay so uh starting off let's talk about bitcoin and like all these fad investments bitcoin cannabis stocks are the big ones right now you know a lot of people invest in mining startup stocks like penny stocks or like tech penny stocks mm -hmm. and we get a lot of questions about that we were actually just talking yesterday someone messaged sal asking about you know how to invest in cannabis stocks always yeah uh, so what's your opinion on that yeah so you know we always like to um advise <laughs> no worries Alfie. we always like to advise that if you're investing in any sort of speculative investment know it's exactly that speculative what does that mean meaning it's a gamble it can shoot up in value very quickly and it can also do the exact same thing on the other end meaning it can shoot down very quickly so whenever you're looking into investing speculative investments know that it's high risk and if you want to have fun with your money and, and that kind of floats your boat and, and that's kind of how you experience some adrenaline um, whatever just don't risk a portion of your stock portfolio or in you know conservative investment that's gonna yeah we talk you. we talk about this all the time like what is a speculative investment usually when somebody invests their money let's say in like TD Bank stock for yeah. example TD Bank stock is a very popular investment because it's a good investment they pay dividends Absolutely. all that kind of stuff they're a blue chip company yes. meaning they're so big that they're pretty safe now a lot of analysts or CFAs these are the investment banker type people that do research on a stock, they'll dive so deep into understanding whether or not that stock is a good investment by taking a look at like revenue and um, management and expenses yeah. and what their product offering is, what their future growth opportunity is, different things like that, right? Now with a speculative investment, what that really means is that somebody is speculating or essentially guessing 
or making a uh, not as detailed researched decision to purchase that investment. Absolutely. And I love that you said that, you know, when you're looking at these big companies like a TD Bank, for example, or an Enbridge or Apple, you have thousands, tens of thousands of wor people worldwide that have years of education and expertise on valuing how much this stock is worth. And now people don't really understand when you're buying a stock, you're buying a very small piece of the business. People go, oh, I bought X stock for $100. Is that good? Well, I don't know. First of all, how many stocks are there outstanding? You know, and the stock price times, and I don't want to get mathematical, the amount of shares gives you the valuation of the business. But what I want to emphasize is people are evaluating out of that piece of the pie, that stock that you own, how much is of that income is coming to you? And that's going to give you your price of value. People think when I buy a stock, it might go up, it might go down. Well, that's not investing, right? This is gambling. Exactly. So let's give an example of the classic speculative investment. All right. They're making so a decision off of somebody, you know, whoever they are. Usually when I ask them who, yo, who's that? What does that person do for a living? It's usually I mean, never yeah, finance. You don't want to undermine the person that made the money well, either. If they're, if they're not a professional money manager, sure. I wouldn't necessarily take advice from them. Sure. doesn't matter what job they are, right? Or how smart they are really. But, you know, whatever, they're usually not in the business or line of work. And they usually only make the decision based off of that. They don't do any research that these CFAs or analysts and researchers do. They'll just make the purchase decision based off, I hear Bitcoin in the news a lot. My friend apparently made a, money, a lot of money off of it. Some YouTube videos told me that it's the future. Therefore, I want to buy it. Exactly. Right? And that is the definition of a speculative that's investment. That's right. And the thing is, is when you're buying an investment, let's take real estate, my favorite <clears throat> You're buying, you know, the real estate's got a piece of property and it's zoned for residential or commercial use. And you can't, you know, the earth is not going to create more land out of thin air. So there's value in getting a piece of Toronto or a piece of Vaughan or whatever the case may be. You know, they could build higher, but, you know, there's only so many condo buildings going. So you have a piece of the city that you're in. You also have construction, you know, materials giving you the shelter, giving you a place to live. There's, there's value in you know, the, the different features of the home and things like that. What moral of the story is, when you're buying something like real estate, you actually have land, you actually have the dwelling, the building on it, and you can't create so much more of it, and you know, people need a place to live. So that's well, Bitcoin, Bitcoin has intangible value as well, apparently. Yes. How so, do you value that intangible exactly. uh, and value? Exactly, and I'm glad you said that because that's where I'm trying to go with this. It's very hard to value Bitcoin because it is a currency and it's hard to suggest, you know, what is this currency gonna be worth in the future? Well, you know, most of the time it's gonna be come down to government legislation, you know, is it going to be the practical legal, uses practical of it as use? well? Most people are purchasing Bitcoin for the pure play of selling it later on for more money. Exactly. Right. Which defines it as a speculative investment. Now, if you're if you're purchasing something because you actually see the value inside of it um, over the long term, then that's a little bit different. But usually there's a lot of research that needs to go into that in order to determine what it is. So a lot of people say that Bitcoin is bad. 
reputable people such as Warren Buffett and heads of major banks. Some people think that's bias because they don't want you to invest in Bitcoin, sure. right? There's the conspiracy theories of that as well, right? But Bitcoin, but the interesting thing about Bitcoin particularly is that Warren Buffett said that he's like, I remember something I'm paraphrasing here, right? But he was something along the lines is, trust me, if I thought that Bitcoin was a good investment, I would be buying a lot of it because I have so much money. Yet he does not want to buy any of it because he doesn't see the long-term value in it. And he's also a market mover, meaning that if Warren Buffett were to decide one morning saying, you know what, Hmm, I want to buy Bitcoin today. Guess what will happen? Not because of just the sheer amount of money he's putting into Bitcoin, but because of but him because saying because it. Because of him saying it and him doing the play, there's people that just actively follow, and there's like websites and things like that. You can actively follow what moves Warren Buffett's making, so they say. And if just that alone will bring more people into that investment, it'll move up. So he can make money whatever he does. The world and the stock market investing is not always fair, and we're here to kind of help the, the average Joe, like everyone else we know. Not sift the war all that information. Sift through it and make some money okay. and not lose. Moving on from Bitcoin, but if you are interested in investing in Bitcoin, keep your speculative investments under 10% of your total portfolio. We say this always. If you have $100,000, don't invest more than 10000 in total of your exactly. all of your speculative and it investments. Also, that's a great point. I, I totally am on board with that. It's also what is your risk tolerance as well. True. Like if I can't sleep at night because if I lose a thousand dollars, I'll cry thinking about I don't know something, some books I could have bought for the year. Then maybe it's not even ten percent for a more cautious investor. Maybe it's you know what zero, maybe zero, or maybe one thousand or five hundred bucks. Right, right. Right. So always know your risk tolerance. And one thing I want to mention because you know we have time with this podcast now is. Humans are more negatively hurt by a loss than they are the happiness that comes from the same gain. So, so let me true. give you an example because I think we both know this. So if I have 100000 and I made $10,000 this year, right? I invested in some portfolio, I made $10,000. Now I have 110000 I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. Oh, I have $10 more thousand dollars. Great. Then if... If that same year at that 100,000 I started with went down to 90,000, just me saying it right now, the fact that I lost 10,000 over the year is is getting me angry. Like I'm pretty pissed off. And that's human and behavior. And that's not right even there. it occurring. So keep that in mind when you're investing in these speculative investments. Yeah, you could double your money, but how happy are you going to be if your your money gets cut in half? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because it's funny because when we first started about talking about Bitcoin was in October of uh, 2017. And from October to January, it doubled in price, went from like 9,000 to 20,000. And And we we were like, we were always saying, guys, be careful, be careful, be careful. And it started, it kept going up. And people started putting more and more money into it. Have fun with it. You guys are doing the right thing, maybe. And then we're like, still be careful. And then it kind of just came down. Crashed, crashed down to 6,000. And now it's hovering around, I think it's 10,000. With next, it's been hovering. It's been a little more stable lately. So right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, all those people that invested during that rush, though, we'll see. At the top. One of the moving on from Bitcoin, though. One of the other big uh, speculative investments that we have right now, that everyone are kind of really interested in, is cannabis stocks. So, cannabis in Canada is becoming legal on October seventeenth. Hooray. Um, 
A lot of people are rushing in order to make money on it right now. We'll leave all the politics and everything aside and let's purely talk about the rush to purchase cannabis stocks. There's many different ones out there. We're not many we're not making any recommendations on whether you should purchase it or not. We're just simply talking about the different companies and the theory behind putting your money into these types of companies. Sure. So I myself am not a strong advocate of cannabis stocks. I mean, you know, I, I can't really discuss it in too great detail because I didn't, never did the great research of the industry in Canada where it's going to go, where I think, you know, the market's going with that. What we can say is we don't know how many players are going to take over the market space. So because anytime it's a relatively new investment, what happens is people go to the novelty. It's funny. It's like a yeah. cognitive bias. Oh, this is new. This has got to make money. So everyone goes into it. Doesn't mean that's what it's worth. Yeah, it's also the whole thing about like, oh, someone that I knew doubled their money or whatever, made exactly. a, a lot of money out of it. So I want to do that as exactly. well. And I want to talk about that just for one second here, right? Uh, usually, it's a very, very interesting statement. I think it was Roth, uh, Roth, Rothschild that said it, or Rockefeller. Or you want to invest when everybody is scared, you know, and you when everybody is not scared but optimistic. You want to be selling. What that means is you want to buy. You want to take advantage when there's blood in the streets. Everyone has heard that term before. So if everyone is rushing to purchase something, you usually want to be doing the opposite and selling that investment. And if everybody is selling an investment, you usually want to be purchasing it. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that just for a quick second here. Cannabis stocks started about five years ago. All the smart money, those researchers, those investment bankers, the people with money making those investments knew about this well before that time. And they made the plays into those stocks. Those were the early adopters when no one was even thinking about cannabis. Slowly over the last year, I would say, or year and a half, people have been rushing to purchase these cannabis stocks in the mass Mm -hmm. population. And when the majority of people think that cannabis stocks are a good investment. It's probably time to get out of that investment if you're in it right now. And you definitely don't want to be getting into it now because it's too late to kind of get in there. It's overvalued to what the price actually is. Yeah, and it goes back to our point of, you know, you're making these decisions based on what? If you don't understand the thousands of financial ratios if you're not, if you never invested your own money before and don't understand cognitive psychological biases of, you know, you see your money going down and you're tempted to sell because, you know, whatever. If you don't understand why people are saying it's $10 and not $15 or whatever, you should not be making your own investment money decisions. And this is something that we've preached for a long time. So true. Not because we don't want people to go to the casino we can say or speculate and maybe double their money not for that it's just because we don't want you to have the worst happen to your hard-earned dollars lose money or whatever and lose money cases. like i'm not a heart surgeon so if i want if i had a problem with my heart and i needed surgery on my heart i probably wouldn't ask you know someone i knew for the advice i'd ask a heart surgeon and you know make him do the surgery and that's going to give me the highest likelihood of success. 
as opposed to, you know, my buddy did it, so let me try this out, <laughs> right? So Yeah, exactly. Now, let's say somebody messages you and asks you about cannabis stocks or Bitcoin. Sal, you know, what's your advice on this? Are you in, I get this a lot, are you invested in weed stocks at all, as they put it, you know? Mm-hmm. what? Do, how do you respond to that? Yeah, uh, typically, you know, I, I don't, I hate being that bear of bad news, like, don't do it. You're probably gonna get blown up, and then you <laughs> know usually, maybe their friends. People friend... <laughs> ask me all the time, and I'm usually just a massive buzzkill. Yeah. You know, maybe their friend, maybe their friend's gonna double their money, right? And I don't want to be that guy. Oh, Sal said, you know, this and that. You know, at the end of the day, I always say, if you want to have fun with it, have fun. Just make sure it's a small portfolio, a small percentage of your total money, very small, and understand the risks. That just as you can double your money. You can also lose half or even more. So as long as you understand the risk and you know you're not making an informed decision, I think that's the main thing. If you know your own kind of shortcomings in investing, like I don't really know if this is going to double or if I'm going to lose this five grand. I'm just making a casino decision right now. I'm fine with it. Just, you know, you just went to the casino and that's fine. Yeah. But just don't risk a lot is what I say. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay, enough of speculative investments. Anything else you want to talk on that? I think just be cautious, have fun with it. Okay, cool. So moving on. We heard like a video come out from like Kevin O'Leary about the federal mandate and like how that impacts also cannabis stocks and why people are weary for that reason. Like you guys speak to how that is like, how that's impactful when you're considering investing in it or I know that we're seeing a lot more of like big investors say, that's why I don't touch it because it's too reliant on federal mandates. Exactly. Like that. so well, that's in there's a li- when you learn uh, portfolio management and risk management, there's a list. Yeah. There's a list of risks. Risks and regulatory or government risk is one of those risks, right? So yeah, it's very true. And if you're for just it's it's very reliant. That's one of the risks. That's all I'm going to really say yeah, about it. Yeah, it's that's one of the, the risks, and it's a great point because. A lot of investors don't like investing in things where they don't have control of their own destiny. Exactly. Meaning if, you know, some, you know, government person wakes up and he says, you know, I want to put a law or something like that and it'll impact that industry. Well, I don't want to be on the other end of someone's control and power. Good question though, Mark, because it's a valid, it's a valid risk. When you're investing in anything, government risk is something you want to take into account, right? Like greek bonds for example it's a usually bonds are a relatively safe investment right but if you were to invest in greek bonds they pay a high interest rate because of government risk and also there's something there's another risk called international currency exchange risk so like you know if you want to invest in the united states what if the canadian dollar gets all wacky sure, we're not That's gonna another get into type that of risk. today but yeah we should we should uh, talk about that in a future podcast yes, but absolutely. good question okay moving on to something that we talk about a lot and also people are usually very interested in absolutely people ask me anthony should i invest in real estate or into a mutual fund etf stock and bond portfolio and it's a common and great question which one do you actually invest in we're going to talk about that today why don't you give us a rundown of the article that you read a very quick synopsis on it and we'll dive into doing that um I like to just mention that 95% of the time, I'd say me and you are on board. I mean, we typically like to discuss ideas and we usually have to 
you know, we try to create where there's gray in investing. We try to make it black and white to kind of give people a better sense of direction to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. This topic I like because in some cases, in some ways, we're almost split on it, right? So we'll go into it. So the article um, from Business Insider, funny, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this article. I always get targeted for like Business Insider and all these different things. And this article in particular is said, it caught my attention, it was, what's a better investment, real estate or investing in stocks? And this is, pertains to the U.S. And what they were trying to say. Very similar to Canada. Very right? similar to Canada. Yeah, our, our economies are very much linked. And, you know, what this article was saying is they looked back to 1991, and it was actually the Federal Housing Finance Agency that posts all the prices, just like the Bank of Canada would post all the prices for, for Canadian housing market. Mm -hmm. So they posted prices on the Canadian housing market and also they tracked an S&P 500 stock portfolio, which is kind of like just big, you know, the biggest old, 500 companies in the United exactly, States. Exactly, big old American companies that, you know, been doing very well for a long time. And they tracked both of them. So real estate prices from 1991 and the stock market from 1991 and it turned out that stocks outperformed real estate by a large margin meaning stocks is a much better investment according to this article on a rate of return basis on a rate of return basis exactly so they didn't actually quantify what the return was on an annual basis but you know they're looking at like from the 1990s if you're in the S&P 500 you would have got like a gain of over 700%, whereas uh, housing prices went up 164% in that time. So it's pretty significant. Fascinating, 750% versus 160%. Yeah, from 1991. Now, I hate, like this article, a lot of finance people would not love it because finance people like hearing greater return as an annual. Yeah, Whenever exactly. you say, how much was your return last year? You like say 8%, 10%, people are usually talking about their annual rate. So true. So they even looked at, you know, some of the some of the hotter, you know, places in the U.S. and and every in every instance, um, uh, stocks outperformed real estate. Which was it, what was interesting is they showed three different examples. One is if you invested at the peak of the real estate market, exactly. at the peak of the stock market, vice versa, at the bottom of the stock market, at the bottom of the real estate market. Yeah over different periods of time and consistently on a rate of return basis, stocks did better than real estate. Now, for those of you that are my friends on Facebook, I left a comment on this article because I actually despise it. And we're gonna talk about why. To me, they're comparing apples and oranges. I don't despise it because stocks outperformed real estate prices. I despise it because you're comparing someone's home that is not used for investment purpose, and we'll go into that, looking at the prices increases with a portfolio. One, they're used for different reasons, but the main thing I don't like is compare an investment property where someone's paying down your mortgage, you know, and taking account the taxes, insurance, maintenance, and all that fun stuff that goes with real estate ownership, but get a, a property that you're invested in, 
take into account the amount of money you put down. There's something called leverage. We're going to go into this. Yep. So there's so many things that we're going to discuss of why this article does not really compare them very well. So let's kind of go and discuss I'd what's like a better to, investment. I'd like to first define some things, sure. all right, and to debunk a couple myths, all right. So on an investment portfolio, usually in the stock market, there's management fees, and everyone always talks about this. It's a big buzzword in the media right now. Oh, if you have a mutual fund or an ETF, there's underlining fees, and if you use an advisor, there's underlining fees. These fees can range anywhere from. 0.5% to 2.5% depending on how much service you get from your advisor or from yeah. your institution. And a lot of people say, you know, real estate has none of those fees. And I would like to say that a lot of people in the industry all agree that real estate does have somewhat of a management fee. What is that? It's not actually like you see it on your statement that says this is a management fee. Those management fees can come in the form of property taxes. Maintenance. If you're buying, you know, you might your house might be a little bit older or not your you house, have to but upgrade your property. It. You know, you have to pay repairs. hydro and all this repairs. Furnace goes down. Replace a window. Redo this. Yeah, redo. The landlord is calling you at, at you know 11 p.m. on a weekday to go up to who knows where to change something. Yeah, exactly. So. All those things take into account. Also, realtor fees. There is there are costs to purchase and sell a property that people don't factor in over a period of time depending on how long you are the higher the, the lower the fee will be in there the more frequently that you flip houses the higher the fees are for that because there's land transfer taxes HST which is a very interesting thing that very, not many people know very about very interesting yeah so when can you explain that cuz you had a little bit of an experience yeah. with HST so um there is just understand that your pro your when you're purchasing a property in Ontario, you are subject to paying HST on that, and it's thirteen percent. So thirteen percent of the entire of purchase. the entire purchase price. So now, let's say you buy a five hundred thousand dollar condo or exactly. something like that. The HST on that would be like six hundred sixty thousand dollars. Exactly. A lot of the time when you're buying a property, the seller pays for it. So that's good for to know from for seller's perspective. So. Mm -hmm. It's usually included in the purchase price. And these are things that you got to discuss with your realtor to say, you know, what's the price? Is it net of this HST or, you know, gross the HST? But, you know, it's very significant when you're looking at how much money goes in your bank account. If you are a first time home buyer, um, you do get some credits. I believe it's $24,000 um, credited towards the HST on the purchase price. But all there's things a lot you of, want to lot of, talk about yeah, with your realtor, so like, your accounting, exactly. your lawyer. Also, when you're selling the property, you know, is it designated primary residence? Real estate is subject to taxation and things like that. So the point here is, is that there are there is a certain management fee that you could tack on, and we're not going to be talking about fees in today's comparison exactly. because, relatively speaking, a management fee on a portfolio is somewhat comparable, if not exactly the same, similar, yeah. as a real estate Over management time, fee. Yeah, they're pretty similar. So we'll exclude that from the conversation. Second thing I'd like to talk about is the benefits that aren't taken into account into this article. So yes, on a year-to-year -year basis, the stock portfolio does better than real estate, but there's things such as leverage that we'll talk about right now. Let's so, talk about leverage. Let's do it. So one thing, one thing in investing is, you know, say you have $100,000 in a portfolio, yeah. investment portfolio. 
you know, if you're investing into your RSP, you get a, you get some tax benefits that'll increase the amount of money you have. But most of the time, the investment portfolio you have is accumulated from after-tax dollars, right? So what this means is the after-tax dollars, if you have $100,000, your money, say you made 10% of your portfolio, you made $10,000 on your money. That's great. Now with leverage, leverage is the money that you're borrowing to invest. Because here in Canada, the government allows the bank to, to lend you up to 80% of the purchase price of the house. Exactly. So let's just say for comparison Sometimes purposes. even higher if you're insured, right? Yeah. Up to 95. So let's say for comparison pur purposes, you have $100,000 and it's in your stock portfolio. You could actually buy a $500,000 condo, let's say, or a house, whatever, right? With uh, that same $100,000. So now you have a $500,000 asset. Let's just say, you know, the stock portfolio did 10%. Let's just say real estate does 5% because it's less exactly. according to the article. Yeah. 5% on $500,000 is, what is that? 25. 25, yeah. 25K, yeah. right? And it got less return, but because of its leverage and you have now a $500,000 asset, that same $100,000 got you a 25K return versus a 10K exactly. return. Exactly. Now, you have to pay interest on that loan. You know, you borrowed money, meaning if the market went south, meaning it went down, you still have that $400,000 and that's an, loan. That's right? an important thing to know, exactly. too. So leverage, when you're borrowing to invest, it magnifies return, mm -hmm. and it also magnifies your loss. Exactly. So, and one thing I'd like to talk about with leverage, since we're on the topic, is, you know, people hate their mortgage or, you know... A loan for buying real estate or a loan for buying an investment portfolio if you do that sort of thing and people just hate it they're like oh i have this debt i have this debt well every major corporation in the world that makes money i'm talking billions i'm talking millions you name it have debt on their books banks have debt they have your deposits that they owe you Right, they have other loans from other banks from the accounts bank of receivable account. are like they have accounts payables. They have you know salaries they owe and things like that. Every company has debt, and they use it to build wealth. And people should be using debt. To that's why. Wealth. That's why we talk about it all the time. The three different kinds of debt that people usually have. You know, bad debt, which is usually taking money to purchase a car meaning that car goes down in value you know it's not a great investment exactly good debt which is like you know buying that property that you have or whatever the case is yeah. or great debt which is you know investing in an investment property or a business different things that go up in value so people have this negative connotation about debt but there's actually good kinds of debt that make people rich exactly. and it's important for people to know about that so the main thing we like to preach i mean you know back to real estate and stocks real estate less return on average you know in toronto it's destroyed stock prices that's not going to happen indefinitely even over the long term as interest rates move up well we have a lot to talk about eh? yeah. I, I almost <laughs> don't know how much we should cover on this episode like what we should leave out well anything right? that we want to talk about is inside the article right there the stock market sure did 750 percent over a 30-year time yeah. frame and the stock and the real estate market did 150% over a 30 year time frame. Both but, have fees. <laughs> yeah, both have fees. That's important to know, but because that because the re, the real estate portfolio is leveraged, let's say that 150%, you could actually multiply that by Depends. technically 4, 
you could multiply that by four in order to get the real rate of return. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if you if you put down 20% and you leverage 80%, that's times by four. You could multiply four. that by four. So if you multiply that rate of return by four because of the leverage effect, it's actually becoming a lot more closer to stocks versus real estate. Well, yeah, exactly. And, true. But you would also have to like decrease the other one too. We don't want to get too yeah, much into the you know, variables. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you're borrowing that much money as like a young, because a lot of the people I watch the show are millennials or, you know, we always like to advise, try to get into the mar- property market, invest in registered accounts or TFSAs, RSPs to build that wealth, you know, in mutual funds or a balanced portfolio, just save money, get your down payment and then buy a property because even if the market doesn't do the greatest in real estate, the fact that you get to leverage with the bank's money to magnify your return, like mm-hmm. we're talking about, you're usually going to win. And I want to bring up one more thing about the benefits of real estate versus stocks is that when you have that mortgage, we've been calling it leverage this entire time, but it's just a fancy finance term sure. for mortgage. Um, if, some, if it's an investment property, somebody's paying down that mortgage. So over a 30-year time frame, you might own the entire asset because someone has paid off your mortgage, exactly. which is invaluable there. right there, you know? And then on the second side of things, let's say you're not buying it as an investment property and you buy it as a primary residence. You know, you need a house to live in and you're not necessarily concerned about the rate of return, but you just want a nice place where you can raise a family or live, you know? Exactly. So uh, that's that. these so, are the things that got my blood boiling. So in, gen- in general, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend one over the other no uh i would just say that you want to have a good balance of stocks and real estate true a lot of my clients particularly ones that work in real estate they're way over invested in real estate like 80 percent of their net worth is in real estate and i go you have to you know invest and make it 50 50 if you anything because sometimes real estate doesn't do well and it goes back to mark's questions about but risk haven't done what it's been doing so well since 1990 and that in is Canada. great. Since 1990, interest rates have only gone down. That's true. And real estate is inversely correlated, meaning it does the opposite of what interest rates do. So if interest rates have only gone down since 1991, real estate has only gone up since 1991. Nobody in the Canadian government or in finance thinks that interest rates right now are going to go low. Everybody knows that interest rates are going to keep going up, yeah. which means only one thing for real estate prices. That's not, that's not to say, it's not to say that uh, whenever interest rates were climbing, real estate didn't climb with it. But what it means is anytime there's big changes in interest rates, that's when it causes a lot of a change. So like these, you're absolutely right. Recently, the, the reason why prices were so high is because of low interest rates. And even if it goes up, you can still argue, you know what, we're still at low interest rates comparable to historical average. And over the long term, just like Sal said, because of scarcity of land out there in the world and yeah. places to live, real estate is going to do well. But the idea is, is that you want to have both. And there's benefits to having a stock portfolio too, just outside of rate of return, uh, such as liquidity. So another type of risk is called liquidity risk. How easy is it for you to make that asset turn into cash so that you can use it? On a real estate property, it could take months, depending on how the market is. Where a stock portfolio, if you need that money, it takes two to three business days in order to get the money, right? And you need to take that into consideration as well when investing in both of them. Absolutely. Real estate is great. You know, it's passive. People just pay down your mortgage if you're renting it out, if you get enough money. 
you know, but it, what happens when an emergency happens and you need some cash in your bank account? And that's kind of why I asked you that question. Why, why not just invest 90% of my money in real estate? The bank gives me the money, it keeps going up, it's safe. Well, it's not always safe. It just has been in our lifetime. <laughs> and that's one of the biggest things for yeah. millennials. They've seen all their parents get rich off of real estate and they think that's how it's gonna continue on for them. And it, it will, it will, if you have the discipline and you know the ability to do it. But it's not to say that you shouldn't be using both investments. Exactly. I think that sums it up. I think so. Any questions that that we didn't cover, Mark? No? Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in this week. We talk about stocks and real estate, Bitcoin, speculative investments. It's been a blast. Next week, we're going to have Angela on talking about how to make proper buying decisions when feeding your body in a healthy Absolutely. way. I'm very excited for that one. And we're excited for the year to come. It's going to be a lot of interesting people that we're going to be having on the show and a lot of different kinds of content that we're going to be putting out. I want to know one last thing before we, before we finish. I want to know what what's different about season two. Give me something. I'm somebody I've been watching you guys. I've been keeping up. Sure. So other than, what I can other than Ant's beard is a little bit longer and I have glasses this episode. Um, what is different? Well, we're a little bit more vetted. I, got, I, I, I might have a little bit of gray hair or I'm losing my hair. That must mean that I know a little bit more. We got Mark Simone and Alfield that have only been getting better and chopping up this content in more digestible and easy to yeah, consume and, and understand ways. We're looking to create more of a dialogue. Really, you know, with last season, we were only trying to do 12, 20 minutes. And we felt like we just had so much to share and we couldn't go deep. For those viewers or you know listeners on the podcast, really want to understand what are we trying to say. Now that we converted to this style, we're going to have the ability to really go deep on topics. Exactly. Really be able to bang our points home. Until next time. And a much better team for sure. Until next time. <laughs> this is... What they did not teach you in school. <laughs> With Sal Longo and yours truly. Ciao, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Wise Investor. Until next time. This is What They Did Not Teach You in School. We hope to see you soon.